Good evening, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I am your host, as always, Tony Defio, and I thank you for joining me on this rather hot and humid, <clears throat> excuse me, night in Pittsburgh, PA. It's currently Friday night. If you're watching or live, and wherever it, it, you are right now, a little cooler, but not too bad. And if I look or sound like I'm Miserable because of this heat. Just remind me of how miserable I looked and sounded a few months ago when it was uh, cold and I was complaining about that. Or maybe a couple weeks ago when it was raining and I was complaining about that. So I guess I'm a four-weather, uh, a four-season person. I, I hate all four of them. Actually, I like, uh, I'm looking forward to the summer. Uh, as I get older, winter uh, is something I look forward to less and less. And summer is something I look forward to more and more. So I hope it's a lovely day or night, wherever you are right now. And before I continue, I would like to please ask you to like and subscribe to our Behind the Still Curtain YouTube channel. We bring you live shows each and every day and night. We brought you two shows on Friday. We have uh, Touchdown Under with Maddie Peverall and Mark Davidson. That was at 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And, of course, this show right now, the uh, uh, six-pack. But we have plenty of shows every day and we have the hangover on Monday with Shannon White and Brian Anthony Davis and yours truly. We have Steelers preview every Thursday with Jeff Hartman, Dave Schofield and Brian. We have know your enemy or the curtain call with Jeffrey Benedict and Shannon White every Wednesday. Well, I'm going out of sequence. Eh, sorry. I'm left-handed. Uh, we have the Scobro show every Tuesday night with Dave Schofield and his big brother, Rich. We have, we run the North with Tate Boys. Am I missing anything? I'm sure I am. We have just so many shows. And you can catch all those shows. Those shows, oh, Bad, bad Language, Steelers Q&A. Um, the list goes on and on. But you can catch all those shows live also on Facebook. And as I say every Friday, please be nice because I know how Facebook is. I know how you are on Facebook. You're always ready to pounce. I was ready to be angry, but just be nice. Don't worry, be happy. And of course, uh, you can catch all those live shows after the fact. If you don't feel like, if you can't catch them live, if you don't want to look at my face, even though let me look at these cheekbones. I mean, can, can they get any better? Anyway, if you don't want to look at my face live or anybody else's face live, or maybe you're just busy, or maybe our faces are too nice that you can't, you can't bear to watch them and you have to listen to them, you can catch all of our live shows on any audio platform of your choosing. I personally enjoy uh, iHeartRadio. That's my favorite. I have it on my Roku stick. And if I want to listen to one of our podcasts, I, I, I plop down on my recliner, in my recliner, and I, I check, I check uh, the show out on iHeartRadio. But there, there's any, any place where you can find podcasts, audio podcasts, you, you, can, you can find behind Steel Curtain. And please check out our audio-only shows that we bring you each and every week including Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman, The Stat Geek with Dave Schofield, What You're Talking About with Kyle Kreiss, the, the Half Hour, The Steelers Half Hour Power Hour. I get that one wrong every week. Uh, as with Chris Pugh. I think that's how you say his name. If not, I apologize. Uh, from the Cutting Room Floor with Jeffrey Benedict. Did I mention the live mic with Michael Beck? I think I did. But if I didn't, please check that out. And, 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 and The War Room with Medi Peverall. And there are more of those shows, too. 
So please check all those shows out on, again, any audio platform of your choosing. And please check out Behind the Curtain, the website where we bring you news, commentary, film breakdown. As we like to say, it's your one-stop shop for all your Steelers needs, so you will not be sorry. And let's check out the live chat on this lovely Friday night. And I saw it when I was getting ready to go live. Jared Devil was number one, so welcome, Jared Devil. Steeler Chick 46, George Teston, a lot of familiar faces here. Uh, well, I skipped ahead too quickly. Uh, Steelers Pittsburgh, Kathy Ford. Steeler Chick 46, I might have said that already. Ryan O'Toole, who says, happy Friday. Yes, happy Friday. Although it's not my Friday, it's more like my Tuesday or Wednesday. But that's all right. I, I enjoy my schedule, so so uh, it, it, it's always a great Friday. And I think that's it for now. All right, so our crew is in place. Hope Hopefully more will join me. But if not, you always have later on to join the show after the fact. So that's not a whole lot of crazy news. Uh, this is more of a downtime of the year. But the Steelers did have their rookie camp this week, this past week, the 13th through the 15th, I believe. Um. And as the title says, it went off without a hitch. There really was nothing noteworthy, which I think it's a good thing, and it's multi-layered. Uh, obviously, the first reason why it's a good thing is there were no major injuries. And if you don't think major injuries can occur or can't occur when you're practicing without pads and you're just going through uh, walkthroughs and everything, well, that's happened in the past. I remember uh, – Oh gosh, drawing a blank. Byron Batch. I, I I didn't think I'd have to write it down because I, you know, that was a famous one. It was I don't know if it was rookie camp. I think it was OTAs, or maybe it was mini camp. But anyway, everybody was excited about him when he was drafted. I believe in 2012 he was a late round pick. But people were in love with the kind of player the running back Byron Batch could be, and he suffered a torn ACL in a non-contact drill. And I mean, he was never really the same. I'm not sure if he even played after that. He might have, but. He's now a uh, a well known a well known artist, so uh, that was great that no injuries happened with the uh, rookie mini camp or rookie camp. And another great thing, and I I, I want to write about this uh, at some point, is you didn't hear any like I talked about last week. You didn't hear any uh, reports about any of these players, namely quarterback Kenny Pickett, the first round pick out of Pitt, being. You know, having that deer in their in, in in the headlights look. You know, you always hear reports about that. I shouldn't say always, but every so often you hear about that uh, at a rookie camp. You certainly hear about it a lot at training camp. But the fact that they got through that first uh, rookie camp without without um, those kind of reports about Pickett or anybody else that they were they were so far behind or they looked lost or you know the the, the moment was too big for them, if you will. That was good news because you know that's that's you know you want you want these guys to get up to speed as quickly as possible. I know it's 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 impossible for it to happen. They're going to have growing pains. Every single one of them, including Pickett, they're going to have growing pains. They're going to have uh, times when 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 they're doubting themselves. It might be right now they're, where they're doubting themselves. I mean, as they're trying to learn the playbook, as they're getting to know their coaches, and and, and you know they're, we've all been new on the job, me multiple times, and you just feel it, it's common to feel lost and behind and like you're never going to get it. So I'm sure they're feeling that right now, but hopefully 
it doesn't ma- manifest itself on a field um, too much. It's going to, but not too much. But, you know, I, I enjoyed listening to these guys uh, being interviewed, namely Kenny Pickett and Austin or Calvin Austin, the third receiver out of Memphis, who they drafted in the third round. I enjoyed listening to them, listening to them talk to the media. Uh, I thought Pickett looked fairly poised uh, talking to reporters. I mean, he's he's uh, clearly comfortable with the surroundings. He's he's uh, been in Pittsburgh since 2017 as a member of the Pitt Panthers. So, you know, he just moved his locker a few feet. Um, he's wearing different different attire, but it's 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 the football home he's known since he was a teenager. So, uh, it's probably not surprising that did he, did he look comfortable talking to reporters. He probably knows a lot of the reporters that he was talking to. Um, uh, Calvin Austin impressed me. I thought he was, he, he showed a lot of uh, character and, 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 and poise as these reporters kept asking him over and over again, uh, what it was like to be that small, um, coming out, you know, playing big time, you know, not big time college football, but division one or whatever they call the top tier of college football. Now um, he was five, eight, one seventy. And he, he had to answer that question over and over again. He had to answer all the questions about, about uh, getting, you know, the hardest hits that he suffered in college. Cause he, you know, he's so small. And uh, of course he talked about um, so many of the, you know, college coaches that recruited him doubted um, whether he could survive at, 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 at you know, that level of college football because of his size. And they weren't really that impressed by his four, three speed um, because he was so small. They, they didn't think, uh, uh, according to him, they didn't think it, it, it mattered that he was that fast because he was so petite, if you will. So it was funny uh, in a way watching him answer these questions and, and, um, you know, as far as, as, as Austin's size, I mean, it's nothing he can he can deal with in his rookie year. I mean, you know, to expect these guys to, to come in and and learn everything they have to learn as professionals in their very first year, um, learning the playbook, learning uh, their fellow rookie teammates, and then of course learning how to how to get along and, and get familiar with their veteran teammates when they report starting with OTAs and then mini camp, and then of course training camp, you know, expecting them to do all that, um, you know, and then also put on, you know, the, you know, muscle and, 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 and get bigger for, for the NFL to expect that to happen um, in his first year. It's not going to happen. You know, I mean, that's why you hear so many stories of, of players as soon as they hit their first off season, you know, they, they get with a trainer, they, they, they find a nutrition, nutritional program that, that works for them. And, and they, they start training hard and, 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 and they, they either put on weight or they, they lose weight to get ready for their second season. Because after the first season, they realize what it takes uh, to play at that, at the NFL level, you know, not that they weren't, in great shape coming into in, in, into the NFL, but it's it, there's a it's a completely different world when you're going from even the SEC to the NFL. I mean, Kenny Pickett, you know, uh, he might have the same home at Heinz Field 
as he, you know, in the NFL as he did in college, but it might as well be a different planet when you're talking about playing, you know, the North Carolina Tar Heels in the ACC versus the Baltimore Ravens in the NFL. You might be playing them on the same field in the same within the same year, but it's it's a completely different uh, planet universe. So, you know, um, who was it? Traylon Burks, the uh, Titans' first round pick. Their uh, rookie camp, I think it was last week. Uh, he had to go off the field several times because he was suffering from from heat exhaustion. And you, you heard Mike Vrabel talking to the reporters after after you know this occurred, and he was basically saying, "Look, these guys, they think they can you know um, put out put the work in uh, by themselves, uh, you know, before they get to camp, and they think they can they, they can come here, and and it's going to be the same way here when we get a hold of them, but it's 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 not. It's it's even more intense than that. So." All these guys uh, are going to find out this year. All the, all the every draft pick in the NFL, every undrafted free agent in the NFL, but specifically the Steelers class, they're going to find out this year. Wow, you know, there's so much more we have. There's so much more to being a professional than we ever realized, including uh, the, the physical price we're going to have to pay as far as as uh, getting in shape. So, you know, to expect that to happen the first year with everything else they have to have to have to, to worry about that that's impossible. But uh, there's a lot of stories of players coming in their second year, looking totally different. Alex Highsmith, the third round pick in 2020 out of Charlotte last year, he was a great example of that. I mean, we, we start, I was around last year at this time that we started hearing the stories of, of him, the, the physical transformation from his first year, you know, and, and you've heard other stories in the past, uh, I know Bud Dupree, when he, when he was drafted between his first and second year, he lost a bunch of weight, you know, because, you know, they don't, the Steelers don't want their linebackers to be as 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 big as they used to be in, in the James Harrison, Lamar Woodley, uh, that era. They want them to be much smaller. They're, you know, they want, want them to be much better athletes, capable of doing a lot more as far as, uh, you know, pass coverage and things of that nature. So, but the pre lost a bunch of weight and you see it over and over again, Kendrick green, who struggled mightily last year, uh, especially down the stretch so much so that, you know, he wasn't playing by the end of the year. It was an injury, but I'm sure there was more to it than just an injury. But, you know, you, you've seen stories of him working out this off season with, with people like Marquise Pouncey. So these guys, uh, they realize after their first year that they have to, they have to uh, up their game quite a bit when it comes to their training. So, uh, somebody like Austin, look for him next year. If he if he has a decent enough rookie season to where he sticks around past training camp, which I have no doubt that he will. I mean, third round picks rarely get cut in training camp, so he's probably going to make the team. And I don't know what kind of contribution he's going to make this year, but provided he's back again next year, that's when you can expect to see him maybe put on those five ten, probably not well, much more than that uh, pounds of muscle. Um, but it has to be the right kind of weight, obviously, he, you know, that he, that he puts on because he, he can't lose his best asset, and that's his speed, his 4-3 speed. So that's why uh, – that's another reason why they can't just decide to go, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on 10 pounds because I'm in the NFL. No, they have to do it the right way. They have to get with the right trainer. And 
utilize the right, or get in the right program um, to put on this weight so they don't lose that speed. So look for that, look for that story about Calvin Austin, the third uh, and his physical transformation next year. Of course, he's never going to be a big guy. I mean, you know, to expect that is the impossible, but, but um, he's probably going to have to put on at least a little bit of weight to, uh, to survive in the NFL. So, I thought it was a, it was a, a, a interesting enough rookie camp, but nothing too exciting. But and this is the transition into my next topic. The thing that I was surprised by that I didn't realize until basically the rookie camp was over is that the reporters were all up in the players' faces again. You know, like it was 2019. They as they as these guys were being interviewed, you know, they were they. They had all these microphones in their face. The reporters were right there. I, I honestly never thought I'd see that again. Um, you know, when COVID hit, you know how how limited limited the access was in 2020 with COVID. I mean, it, everything was Zoom. You know, I mean, the reporters weren't even really allowed in the in the building at the facilities, as far as I remember. Uh, and if they were, it was really limited, and they were, you know, not allowed in the same room essentially with these guys. So that was two years ago. Uh, of course, last year it was more of a press conference, kind of a setup with these guys. Uh, if they were inside, they were at a table. If they were outside, you know, the, the reporters were standing far away and, and, and the players were answering questions that way. So uh, it was pretty cool to see again. Um, you know, I think as, as fans, I think you, you want that kind of a access to a player. You want, you want to see them, interacting with reporters that way. Cause I think, and I think reporters need that too, because, you know, uh, the one-on-one kind of interviews, the up close and personal interviews, that's where you get unique stories and, and unique perspectives and unique quotes. You know, the last couple of years, it was like everybody was, was uh, printing the same quotes or, or typing the same quotes. You know, there was no, there was nothing really original, you know, and, uh, the access was so bleak a couple of years ago. I mean, there were Steeler fans that were that were worried about misinformation. Are they giving us? Are, are they giving us everything? Are they giving us uh, the 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 correct information? Or are they keeping things from us? I, mean, I don't know why anybody would worry about it that much. It's not that deep of a topic. But there were fans and people in, in, behind the silk curtain that were kind of worried about. Oh man, are we are we getting a the true story out of training camp because you know you really couldn't have access to training camp in 2020. So I think that that's important, and um, you know you, you couple that with the fact that that uh, training camp's back at Latrobe this year, and as far as I know, there's, there's going to be full access for the fans. That's pretty cool, and um, I, I don't know how how they're going to handle the locker room situation moving forward. Are reporters ever going to be allowed in, in locker rooms again? I don't know, because obviously when they were interviewing these guys uh, at rookie camp, they were outside. So we'll see how that goes. But it's, it's you know, return to normalcy, I guess. Uh, and, again, I think it's important for, for access to these players because the last couple of years, the most access we've really had to these guys <laughs> has been on social media. And, you know, that's – I love social media and I love – most of the attitudes of the players on social media, because I'm a bit of a, of a smarty pants online. And I like players that like to yuck it up and, but you know, it's cool to see them um, 
being interviewed and, and, and how they how they act in a professional setting with reporters. So that was another good thing that 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 I took from from our rookie camp. So again, there really wasn't much much to tell um, from rookie camp. Um, your usual highlights. Uh, the quarterbacks, you know, dropping back, throwing short little passes, the receivers doing their thing, the defensive backs and whatever. Nothing exciting, but nothing traumatic either. So it felt like a, a, a true rookie camp from before 2020. So that, that was nice to see. And of course, my final topic of the night, before I open things up to questions and comments, is our old buddy, Antonio Brown, who was in the news again on Monday, and it seemed like it only lasted a day. That's how things are now with the 24-7 news cycle. You don't uh, – a story might be hot, but it doesn't stay hot for very long anymore. But Monday, that was the, the topic du jour. It was Antonio Brown because at some point during the, I guess, the early afternoon, he tweeted, I want to retire a Steeler. And that, that um, – set the ball in motion. Everybody just went nuts. Oh my God, should they do it? Should they bring Brown back? Because at that point, it kind of felt like he was saying on Twitter that he wanted to come back and play for Pittsburgh. And, you know, that led to a bunch of, you know, should we do it? Should, should they bring him back? And, um, and then, of course, he clarified and said he just wants to retire a Steeler after his playing days are over, if they're not if they aren't over already, who knows with that guy, but, um, you know, one of those one day contract kind of things. And, and there, you know, the opinions about, on it are all, all over the board, you know, uh, as a fan, I mean, I would, as far as him playing for the Steelers again, I, I, you can't do that. I mean, uh, because you have a, you have, all new quarterbacks, including a rookie first round pick. You, you don't want to screw that guy up. And you have a bunch of young receivers who are impressionable. You don't want to screw them up. Not that, not that, you know, he would, they would be under Antonio Brown's spell and do everything he does, but certainly you don't want somebody like Brown who still is out of, who still has yet to accept the fact that he's not a, a uh, top receiver in the NFL anymore. You don't want that guy influencing a, a locker room, a wide receiver room, a young quarterback. You don't want, you don't want that. So, I mean, it'd be a great, it'd be a fun story to write about. <laughs> I would, I would love the reactions. I would love seeing the reactions by the fans in the media, but that's never going to happen. As far as him retiring a Steeler, like Brian said on Monday, who, well, you know, it wouldn't be a big, I mean, yeah. Of course he could retire a Steeler. It's really not that big a deal. You know, I had some time to think about it since Monday. I mean, if they did it tomorrow, I wouldn't care, you know. Um, I remember uh, reading this Twitter thread. It was on Monday or Tuesday. This one fan just going on and on about the integrity and what it means to be a Steeler and and uh, uh, the sacrifices and the honor and back, and, you know, all this stuff. I think that, I think it lasted like, he went on for like two or three tech, uh, tweets and then somebody just kind of said, yo, bro, it's not that, it's not that serious. And I just started laughing. Like, I kind of put things in perspective. It's really not that serious. I mean, 
if Antonio Brown, you know, forms a relationship with the Steelers again, even after his career and, and retires the Steeler and becomes some kind of an ambassador, is it really going to affect anybody's lives? I mean, come on. You know, are you going to stop watching them? Are you going to stop going to the games? Are you going to, you know, burn his jersey or burn your terrible towel or whatever the people do when they're boycotting stuff now? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to affect my life at all if he retires the Steeler and, and you know, you got to, you know, eventually his, his number 84 is going to be in their Hall of Honor. He more than likely is going to make it in the Hall of Fame someday. So, you know. Um, we're probably going to have to embrace the guy again eventually as fans, you know, so it's not going to, it's not going to be the end of the world if it happens. So that kind of made me laugh on that guy. So that yo bro, it's not that serious. And really it's not, I mean, it's, it's just a, it's just a, a, a simple little gesture. It's, you know, I'm not saying sports aren't important. I'm not saying the Steelers aren't important because obviously they are, you know, they meant so much to me. I'm here right now doing this because I've been a Steeler fan since the age of seven and it ultimately led to this opportunity to write and, and do podcasts and et cetera, et cetera. And it's important to a lot of people around the world, but it's not life or death, you know, not to sound like, you know, I'm above it all. Like I say, just about every week, but it's not so serious that, that, you know, it's, what they always say about sports, it's it's the it's a toy department of, of of journalism, right? So of the newsroom, whatever. So you know, if Antonio Brown wants to retire a Steeler, go ahead, do it. You know, maybe it'll make him a better person. Maybe he'll grow up. Maybe he'll realize, you know, the end of his career could have been so much better. His legacy, his legacy could have been so much better if he would have, uh, you know, been less selfish. Uh, throughout his career. So, you know, but the thing about that, and this, this kills me every time something like this happens, this, 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 and, and Brian sort of gave me the idea during the hangover on Monday when, when, when he was like kind of going back and forth with, with people in the live chat saying, why are we still talking about Antonio Brown? And he was like, Hey, cause it's my job to talk about Antonio Brown. And that's what uh, kind of gave me the idea to write the story that I, that was published on Friday. It's like, every time something like this happens, you know, I, I can only speak for behind the curtain, but the people who interact with us are always like, why are we talking about this? You know, well, because the whole world's talking about it. Everybody who who has anything to do with the Steelers, either in the media, as fans, whatever, are talking about Antonio Brown and what he tweeted. You know, it's, it would be silly not to talk about it, to just bury your head in the sand and talk about other stuff. You got to go where... You can't go against the grain too often when you're doing this kind of stuff. You got to go where the story is. And that was the story. You know, him saying out of the blue that he wanted to retire a Steeler, you know, and what that all meant to everybody at that moment, that's a story. That, you know, that was, that was a big deal. So you have to talk about it, you know, and to me as a writer, I mean, podcaster, yeah, you know, but my main, my biggest passion is writing. And to me, I'm always like just number one, it's, it's, something juicy to write about and and believe me when i tell you i don't care what anybody says just for the story alone i would give my right arm right now for them to sign colin kaepernick i mean that to me that's like it would i would i would od on on social media after like three days i, I would not leave my my phone my phone would just be like 
it would just it would melt into my hand. I would just be constantly on social media, interacting with people, just watching people go like just go nuts. You know, that's like that would just be such a I don't even care if if he if his right arm falls off and he can't throw a football anymore. Just the fact that he's on the, the Steelers would just be so delicious. And you're talking like, you know, stuffing and like all the simple carbs, like give it to me, you know. So like, that part of me just you know, like loves these kind of things. It's just such a great, delicious story to write about. So, you know, um, when, when these kind of things happen, you have to talk about it. You know, Le'Veon Bell, if he's in the news for something, you have to talk about it. Terry Bradshaw's in the news, you have to talk about it. Uh, you know, if, if Ben Roethlisberger go, does some interview and says, you know, I, I am angry at how my career in Pittsburgh ended, you, you think we're going to ignore that? No, we're going to talk about it. If he writes some book five years from now, and or 10 years from now, whatever, and he, and, he, and he talks about how he didn't like how his career ended here and he has bad blood with the Steelers, we're going to write about it. We're going to do podcasts if, we're, if I'm still doing this for Behind Still Curtain. So, you know, I don't know why people – I remember right after the season uh, when, when the playoffs were still going on, I was writing some stories about Tom Brady. Uh losing in the playoffs and then he retired and then he didn't retire. And I think I wrote two or three articles and somebody was like, Oh, these articles are so exhausting. I'm like, really? We, we publish like 80 articles a week and, and you can't take one, make two a week about Tom Brady. I think you need to go seek, seek uh, medical treatment. You know, uh, it's, 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 it's really not that big a deal. There's plenty, as we, as I say at the beginning of every show, as we all say at the beginning of all of our shows, we call this the one-stop shop for a reason because there's everything for you. There's the sensationalized stories, like just one retire a stealer. There's stuff about, you know, the five-technique defensive lineman, the four-three covered whatever defense, uh, schedules, draft picks, mock drafts. We have it all, so... You know, you, you could you could pick and choose what you want to write, uh, read about, what you want to listen to. That's what makes uh, this site so great. That's what makes Steeler Nation so great. There's so many different interests and so many different angles that fans are, are interested in. You know, so ah, at the 30 minute mark, I think I've rambled on long enough. So now I'm going to take 10 minutes or so and answer your questions, read your comments. Uh, let's see what we have as I was rambling on about everything. Let's see what we got here. And of course, a lot of people, uh, are, are going nuts over my, your suggestion that signing color, Colin Kaepernick would be, would be entertaining. There you go. That's what I mean. That's why it would just be awesome. Let's see what we have here. And uh, Ryan O'Toole asks, how long until AB is broke? I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of – it's sort of harder for athletes to, to go broke today. I mean, I, you know, he's worth, what, $20, 30000000 It's hard to go blow through that amount of money. But you never know. Um, uh, hopefully, for his sake, he gets his act together in time to uh, to have a, uh, a nest egg for, for him and his family, uh, his children, uh, down the road. I, I think one day, you know, provided he doesn't totally, you know, go off the rails, and hopefully I don't want to see that happen to anybody. 
I think eventually they're gonna they're gonna um, form a forge a new understanding with each other, meaning the Steelers and and, and, and Brown. But if they do, if they don't, they don't. I mean, it's it it. it I think we all like a, re, a redemption story, you know. I mean, it, it's easy to be mad at the guy right now, but you know, if he turns his life around, becomes this great, caring, compassionate person, and uh, we, we'd forgive him. That's just how we are as, as a society. I think that's how most human beings are. We're, we're we're eager to forgive people. You know, it might not seem that way on social media because everybody's always so mean and angry and and full of emotion. But I think deep down, we all want to, you know, have companionship, have a community, et cetera, et cetera. And we're willing to, to, you know, give people a second chance, you know, whether it's famous people or friends or family, we're always willing. We're always, I think deep down, we, we, we uh, desire that kind of thing. So I think eventually if he wants it, he and the Steelers can can be a family again. Obviously, the, you know, the Roonies are going to accept them with open arms, provided, you know, um, he uh, changes his ways and and, and um, shows that he has he's a different person eventually. And let's see what we have from Steelers Freak. I found the Jeff Hartman article about Steelers needs to be both honest and informative. They still have many needs to be Super Bowl contenders. Well, it's that's not that's a fairly accurate thing. I mean, it's again, you know, what are their? I think they're near the bottom in the AFC as far as odds of, of making the Super Bowl this year. I, I don't think anybody, uh, most rational, logical fans, are going to honestly agree that, Hey, look, this team still has a lot of, a lot of work to do. Um, but you know, it's a young team. Um, and we've seen it in the past, uh, two or three players at key positions can make a world of difference specifically the quarterback position. So I've been saying this for a while. You, you, you find the right guy, um, uh, sooner rather than later, and, and that will go a long way in in, in making the Steelers uh, contenders again. But yeah, they they have they have work to do. Um, but you know they have they're young on the line. They're young everywhere, basically. So a lot can happen in, in a year or two. But but uh, I like the fact that they're that they're a, a young football team. To me, that's that's where you want to be. You know. Because you don't want to be one of those teams that has like a bunch of veterans, a bunch of young guys, and and the veterans aren't so great. The young guys aren't, are, are you know they, they they're not so great either. And you're trying to make that work. You you don't want to be in the middle when it, when it comes to your roster. You want either to have a, a veteran laden team that's totally ready to go and and and, and um is a true contender like they had in like the late two thousands when they when they were going for their second Super Bowl. Or you want to have a young team with a young quarterback and they're all growing at the same time. Or they, there's the, the potential is there for them to grow at the same time. Like uh, like you had in like maybe 2001 or 1992, Cowher's first year. 2001 was this, uh, the, the, sort of the, the resurrection of the, of the roster after they had their three-year um, run of playoff-less seasons. You know, they, they kind of replenished the roster. Uh, through the draft, you know, they brought in guys like Heinz Ward, 
Shea Townsend, uh, Alan Fanica. I can go on and on and on. Uh, and, and they were, uh, and that was kind of like the, the core of the team that won Super Bowl 40. So, uh, you know, as far as the, as the, as the makeup of the roster, as far as age, I think they're in a good spot. So we'll see, we'll see um, what happens. <laughs> Brian Brown says, I'm sorry, I, I chuckled. It was an accident. I think the Steelers can win the Super Bowl. It's not delusional. Run the ball and play elite defense. That's the path to number seven. Well, um, I think you still want to – I think the the quarterback spot will go a long way in determining uh, how good they are. I mean, you need a quarterback to to win the Super Bowl, and and, and, uh, right now it doesn't look like they have that guy for 2022. Maybe they do, but – Right now, you can't you can't make the determination. Right now, they look like the fourth best team in the AFC North, but we'll see what happens. Shane Giggle says, "Worried about the run game if Najee Harris goes." And well, of course, he's a starter. He's a Pro Bowler. He, he rushed for eleven hundred yards last year, right? Was eleven hundred? He's he's their franchise running back. But um, you know, what do you what do you do as far as the, the uh, depth? You go out and get a one of these veterans uh, that maybe is not ready to accept being a backup. I mean, we saw how that went last year with Mel- Melvin Ingram. Um, you know, Benny Snell, I think, is as far as backup running backs in the NFL. I think it's hard to get much better than him. It's not, I'm not saying he's great, but you know, this idea that that you know you you have like a one A and one B uh, running back thing, and it's just not all that realistic. So. Uh, I think Benny Snell is more than an adequate backup. You know, he's not great. He's not going to set the world on fire, but most backups don't. So, Sealtrick forty six says the O line is key to any success. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, we you know, two years ago, the old uh, offensive line was falling apart. Last year, the young offensive line had major growing pains. So, you know, they 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 took they made a uh, some key moves this offseason by sh- signing James Daniels, Mason Cole. So uh, Kevin Dotson, uh, you know, um, Shannon has uh, expressed some concerns about, about his um, combat- compatibility with their new blocking scheme. I guess they're more of a zone kind of blocking team now. And uh, Kevin Dotson's more of a mauler. So, that might be a, a bad fit. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but he certainly is a promising young uh, lineman. But, uh, yeah, the, the, as far as the, the, the running game specifically and uh, the life of whoever happens to be the quarterback, the health of whoever who, who happens to be the quarterback this year, the line has to take a major step um, in 2022. But the good news is, no matter who the quarterback is, they're going to be more mobile than Big Ben was at the end. So that's one good thing anyway. Ryan O'Toole says the O-line killed the offense the past two seasons. Yeah, that's one of the things that did it, that's for sure. Let's see. Uh, Jeff Hewitt says, in the Canada system with a mobile quarterback, is a core four value higher than we're expecting? Well, I think he is. One thing about him, he's – and Shannon brought this up. Um, I think he did. But you know he's more of a finesse kind of a kind of a, a, a blocking lineman, and so maybe the uh, the that kind of a 
zone blocking thing might suit him better. We'll see. We'll see. But, you know, um, we're going to find out a lot. Uh, mini camp and training camp. So that's something to look, to look forward to and to keep an eye on. And Mr. Woodside says that Benny Snell is a number three. Well, I think Brian and I, and specifically Brian, has, has I'll give him credit for this. He said this in the past. Is there really a big difference in the NFL between a number two and a number three running back? You know, so. Again, I think this goes back to last year and with a lot of the, the, the uh, concerns about depth at many different positions. I think people, they want to get that ironclad insurance policy when it comes to a backup. You know, they, they want that, you know, like with Melvin Ingram, they want that guy that, all right, if, if TJ Watt goes down or Highsmith goes down, Ingram will come in. He's got a track record in the NFL. He'll be fine. They want that kind of a backup. They don't want the, the young former fourth round pick kind of player as a backup at any position, but that's the reality for most backups in the NFL. So again, I think, Benny Snell, I've always thought he was just fine as a as a backup, you know. Um, and maybe they can go out and get a D'Angelo Williams type of a veteran if, if they so desire. But, again, we saw what happened with LeGarrette Blunt. He wasn't happy with his his playing time, be, playing behind Le'Veon Bell when, he's, when he was at, at his absolute best. And we all know how Mike Tomlin, and this goes back his entire career with the Steelers, how he loves the Bell Cow running back, Willie Parker, uh, Mendenhall until he got hurt. Uh, obviously Bell, and then last year Najee Harris. So, you know, if you if you do bring in a a, a veteran with a, a resume, he's got to understand that. Look, you're getting this percentage of carries, and it's probably going to be less than ten percent, maybe twenty percent if you're lucky. Are you happy with that? And and you, he can't just come back later and say, oh, I want I want tr- trade or release because I'm not getting more playing time. Because look at how much playing time Ingram got last year. And he still wanted out. So, you know, you bring in a veteran, great, but you better – he better understand and be sincere when he says that um, he accepts his role. And Mike Tomlin, when they, when they traded Ingram last year, he he said point blank, "This is why we like to bring in people uh, and, and get them in our system at a young age and bring them up and 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 allow them to understand their role with the organization." So it's a fine line, or it's a slippery slope. Oftentimes, whatever I'm trying to say, whatever phrase I'm trying to use, when you bring in a, a veteran, a proven veteran, you better be sure that he's not going to. Um, pull a blunt or Ingram or even a James Harrison and, and, and be a bad actor in that locker room. So it's hard to find much better than a Benny Snell, unless you're, unless you're um, um, willing to take a risk with a, 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 a veteran, a proven veteran who, who may or may not be willing to accept his role. This is a, Steeler freak. That is another common issue. Unwilling to change the bell cow concept is dangerous. And, and it says he doesn't care about Harris's health. His agent is already complaining for him. Is he? I don't know. I didn't hear that. But uh, I think uh, Harris's um, 
his uh, disposition, his attitude about that might change drastically if the line blocks a lot better for him moving forward. You know, a lot of the problem last year is the line was just so horrible that uh, he, he had nowhere to run. So, And Steelers, Sh- Shrek Johnny's friend says, I'm a tiger. I, uh, I guess that's, I've been called worse, but that's actually pretty cool to be called. So thank you. All right. On that note, I'm going to call it a night. I can have some dinner before I go to bed. TMI, I know. Um, it was a great show. It was great talking to you. Uh, until Monday on The Hangover. Uh, you guys have a great weekend. And as always, go Steelers. Good night, everyone. Yeah.